DJ, PK, and the Rock Monster, Brad Rock, longtime Deseret News jazz beat writer and columnist, now in retirement. Brad, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? <laughs> what are you doing with all this free time, Brad, since traveling is no longer an acceptable answer? Yeah, yeah well, that was my plan. I mean, I, I, I'd have been in Scotland today if, you know, the plan had worked out. And, uh, and and so I think you know a road trip to to Costco is kind of kind of the limits of my range now. Uh, you live out on the uh, by Saratoga Springs and all. They got that new Costco that they're building. Is it open yet? <laughs> it's not open, but you know we're we're counting down the days. It's kind of a big community thing out here, and uh, I think I think I might round, round up hands. I think I might go out to Eagle Mountain get hands. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll be the first guys in line when they cut the ribbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jake will join you. Yach lives down there, too. There's actually, huh. there's actually a lot of the local media people down there, believe it or not. It's turned into a very popular oh. area. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. It's good. I saw Hans about uh, three, two or three weeks ago. I was jogging, and I hear Brad, Brad, and they turn around, and it's Hanson and his wife driving around. I said, what are you doing? He said, just, just moving around, getting out of the house. Hey, I'm curious, uh, watching the uh, last dance and all of that, and I assume you watched it, uh, and you were around the Jazz so much in that era and leading up to that area, era, of what you saw of Jordan, of what you saw of the Jazz, did they get it right? Did they miss any big storylines, any stories you wanted them to go after? You know, DJ, I, both of you guys were here, and uh, you know, uh, no, I thought I thought they did a nice job. I thought the whole thing was a little disjointed when they jumped back, and you're watching something from 1998, and then you're back in 1994, and I'm sure that's because they rushed that thing to get it in production. But uh, I thought they got they got they got it quite well, and. Uh, the only thing that I saw, I didn't see a lot of stuff that surprised me, or I said, oh, really? Except I didn't realize MJ was uh, quite as petty as he was. Uh, and, you know, that he would use something like George Carl not saying hi to him to get ready to play. That just, to me, DJ, that... That seems high school to me. These guys are professionals. If Michael Jordan is supposed to get ready every night, if he comes to battle every day at practice, why does a slight from George Carl make the difference? So that part kind of surprised me. But uh, I, I don't know, DJ. I didn't uh, PK. I can't. Uh, I can't see that they missed it too much. And I thought they were a little more respectful of the Jazz than I than I thought they'd be. Yeah, we were just talking about some guy for the Washington Post wrote a big piece about Stockton basically didn't get his due, and maybe he should have mm-hmm. gotten more run. Uh, maybe he could have gotten more run on the, on the documentary, uh, but as I look back on his career, I think he got the exact due that he was due, which was a lot because this guy was an all-time player. He was an all-time player. And, you know, PK, before I ever saw him play really in person i'd see him on tv i was a college writer and i go you know uh he's you know he's a six foot two guard and not, and not even really six two I, I i didn't get it uh and then i got down uh, on the court in those first 
few, first few years, for quite a few years, you know, we sit on the floor. And, and when you see the angles and you were at floor level, it, it, it astounded you how good he was. But it, it took me a while to come around. But, yeah, he's, he, he's an all-time great and, uh, and just a guy that we'll never see like him again. Did the behind-the-scenes stuff where Jordan's shaking hands with him coming off the podium at a press conference or Carl's going on the bus, did any of that surprise you, or is that just kind of a normal uh, normal aftermath of bonding at the 92 Olympics and, and spend a lot of time together? Yeah, DJ, they, I think that's, that's true. They, you know, they were friendly and, and everything. Uh, yeah, I didn't see uh, John getting on the team bus. I didn't see that happening, and... DJ, I've repeated this over the years, but it reminds me of 96. And 96, the Jazz lose in um, Seattle. And that's they lose that last game, don't get to go to the NBA Finals. Uh, and so they had two team buses. They had a media bus, and they had a Jazz bus out on the tarmac waiting. And I look over at the team bus, and I, I repeated this for ESPN for their story, but I look over the team bus, and the mailman is kind of laughing around, and they're passing out box lunches and everything. And I, I, I would never be the guy that said mailman didn't give it 100%, but he, he could walk away. The pressure was off, and it looked to me like he's going, okay, all right, well, okay, now the season's over. Uh, I'm going to go hunting. And, and then I see the door of the bus open, and John Stockton walks out, and he's just looking across the tarmac, his hands in his pockets, a nine-mile stare, just staring. And, and so I watch him for a minute, and then about a minute later, the bus opens, and here comes Jerry Sloan. And he stands side-by-side side next to Stockton, and they both got that nine-mile stare. Nobody says a word. They just look off in the distance, and I thought, these guys, it's going to take a while for these guys uh, to get over it. But that was just how they dealt with the, uh, dealt with, dealt with the pressure and how they uh, handled these things. I just think Carl was a guy that played his guts out and then could move on and uh, was on to his next project where Jerry and, Jerry and John, uh, those, kind of, uh, those kind of losses didn't die easily. All right, so that leads to the question then, do they need to have those losses really sting with them? Because if you look at Jordan, it obviously gnawed at him big time, and is basically mm-hmm. that what it takes to be at that level? Yeah, I think it probably does, PK. And, uh, you know, I don't know how it hit you guys, but when I saw that show, it did, you know, they say, oh, Michael hated to lose. He, he hated to lose. He couldn't abide by losing. And, and you know, I kind of roll my eyes on that because who does like to lose? Do you think John Stockton, you know, took it any less hard than Michael Jordan would have? I just, I don't believe that it mattered more to Jordan than it did to Stockton. He had more talent than anybody else on a court. He had more talent around him than the Jazz did. Um, so he made it happen. So, you know, that's the one thing about that documentary. I thought the you know, the, the dramatic beat of the, and the music in the background about, you know, Michael gearing up and giving it all he had was a little contrived because I don't think it was any different with, a, you know, quite a number of players. Uh, nobody likes to lose, and there's a lot of great competitive guys in the league. So over time, because you covered the league and you were a beat writer, late 80s, early 90s, you were the beat writer, right? 
Yes, uh-huh. right. 90, 90 through 94. And so the, uh, there were some, and obviously they covered, you know, how much the Pistons and Bulls hated each other, but there wasn't as much for agency. Guys were just starting to move around. A guy like Tom Chambers switched teams several times, right? Utah and Phoenix and Seattle. But there wasn't as much of that then. So maybe it was a little more intense and there wasn't quite this clubby fraternity that we've got now. Has that changed the sport in your mind or no? Uh, in, in terms of uh, – tell me that again. In and terms in terms of, of how much guys really like to just beat the crap out of each other and just grind away oh, on yeah. each other and really legitimately didn't like each other and didn't like teams yeah. because contracts were longer and guys didn't move as much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, DJ, I think that's true. Uh, you know, a few years later – uh, the Detroit team from the women's NBA comes through Salt Lake. And um, Bill Lambeer, you know, is the coach of that team. And he comes here, here. So I go over to ask him about those years with the Jazz. And, you know, pretty much as rude as Lambeer always was. Maybe a little bit more civil, but not too much. And I asked him about memories of the team you know, playing here, and he, I don't remember having a lot of problems playing anybody here. And, uh, you know, I kind of persisted, asked him some questions. He says, you know, uh, yeah, hey, uh, let's look how many championships the Jazz have. And I guess what I was going to say is he still had that animosity. It was still, still there. And years later, I thought he'd be mellowed out. He'd be a coach. He'd be a grown-up guy. And those things hadn't gone. But he did not like the Jazz, and he, he didn't mind bringing that up. He didn't mind kind of uh, taunting them about, uh, you know, the Jazz never getting the championship. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's totally true. Uh, totally true that back then just the unity, the groups that were together, and uh, guys that spent their whole careers in one city um, made, it, made it more intense than it can be now. Well, Brad, you've just come out of retirement and play with me here. You've been hired as a senior advisor to the Jazz, and Dennis Lindsay brings you in and says, Brad, we've got a big decision to make regarding Rudy Gobert. Do we pay him the Supermax? What are you telling Dennis? Well, you know, I guess I, I, I guess the cat's out of the bag. I have been hired as a consultant for the Jazz, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to keep it close to the vest on that, but uh, you know, I, 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 I have thought that thing over again numerous times with Rudy Gobert. Uh, I, I, I think they need other guys than what they have to get to the championship thing. Uh, but I think the system, way, the way it is now and the difficulty of getting guys, you probably pay Rudy. Even though maybe at the end of that contract he's not going to be his best thing, uh, I don't think you just go out and get another guy like him. So, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. I'd pay the man. How much do players, you know, there's so much about how much the players get along now. You know, it's mostly a Donovan and Rudy thing, but I think you'd have to be naive to say, you know, that that might be the only conflict in a group of 15 players. How much did players get along back then, and how much as a beat writer were you aware of it, not aware of it, able to write about it, not able to write about it for whatever reason? Yeah, I think it was a lot a lot about the same. I, I, I think that, you know... You look at these 12 guys on a team, and you go, you somehow make that leap that you think you're all on the same page. 
And then, you know, you go to your office and uh, there's 12 people in your office and you're not all on the same page. And some people are, are you know, <laughs> backstabbing people and some people are climbers and some people are totally altruistic and some people aren't as good as they think they are. Uh, so why would we think it'd be any different with the teams? And so, yeah, I think that that was true. Uh, but I do think the jazz, and, and uh, you know, I will say this. I'd had jazz players, well, so I probably won't tell them, but I had jazz players off the record at some times grumbling about the jazz offense, about all it does is go into Carl Malone. Uh, I heard a player say he could average 25 points a game uh, if he got any shots. And uh, I had players say, you know, Hey, this is, they, they put us in a bad situation. You know, they, uh, it's, it's John and Carl playing together, and then if uh, something goes wrong, uh, then, then we got to fix it. So, um, so I don't think it was any different, but I do think the Jazz guys did buy into Jerry. I think Jerry was able to do that, and uh, they were able to, uh, you know, give up some of their personal uh, objectives so that they could win the game and, you know, my other thought on that, guys, I don't want to go on too long about this. My other thought about the Jazz that was always interesting to me in that era was that they really did outwork nearly every team. And so they would uh, they would win all these games in a regular season, and then you'd get to the playoffs, and you're going, hey, how come they can't win the championship? Well, you know, everybody was playing their hardest in the championship year, but I think that was a tribute to Jerry that his team's won a lot of games and just came pretty much every night to play. And so when you looked at the wins at the end of the year, you're going, wow, these guys are good. Uh, and sometimes we're a little surprised they didn't win a championship when you look at their regular season results. So, yeah, I get that. In their regular season, they played almost to the max where other guys might have been coasting and they have to yeah. step it up in the playoff. And it was hard for them to step it up because they were already playing at a high level. So it was that dilemma of do you – not yeah. coast, but do you reserve something so you can increase it in the postseason? And the Jazz, because they gave so much in the regular season, it was harder for them to turn it up a notch. Yeah, I think I think that's a perfect analogy. Actually, I I completely agree with you that they they brought their best pretty much every night, and then uh, there wasn't really another notch. I mean, they played. Yeah, they, they, they stepped it up like they did, but they got the max out of their talent all season long. And, uh, and then they got in the playoffs, and they have guys with more athleticism. And they had some teams with more talent, and so you would, you would get in the playoffs, and it was, it was pretty rough for the Jazz. But, you, yeah, you look back during the regular season series with a lot of these teams, and the Jazz, you'd say, oh, they, they, they held their own or even did better. You know, those years Houston won the championship, the, the two years when Michael Jordan was gone. And, uh, yeah, you look back and you go, hey, the Jazz didn't have to back down from that team, but, but Houston was able to kick it into another level. All right, if you want to know more about the Jazz, the Rock Monster will be at Costco near the uh, lawn furniture from <laughs> noon to 2 today. Stop by, but wear a mask and be 10 feet away from him, okay? Yeah, social distance, but we will still have the dollar fifty hot dog with the Coke. Sweet, there it is. I'm more a pizza guy myself, but obviously, <laughs> okay, well, we can do that too. Thank you, Brad. We appreciate a few minutes. Good to talk with you guys.